Hello, horror fanatics. I'm Frank. And I'm Jen. And we welcome you to our weekly podcast, Oh! The Horror! Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe, or follow, to add us to your regular rotation of podcasts. You can also submit any ideas, comments, and suggestions to our email address at oth at seriouslydecent.com. Mm-hmm. You can check out our website at ohthehorrorpodcast.com. Yep. And uh, we had a little boost in listeners this uh, last week. It was hey, nice. welcome to the party, folks. Welcome aboard. For those it's that are going to be a bumpy ride, so keep your hands and feet inside the vehicle at all times. Yeah, if you're um, if you're new, we have a Facebook group. You can get on our website. Uh, you can connect through, and uh, you can connect to our Instagram account. Correct. That'll keep you updated on episodes, and you can catch some uh, malarkey, funny um, memes. What? Yeah, yeah. We share some cool stuff in the Facebook group. Yeah. Instagram, not so much. You're just going to get the episodes. That's Yeah, it. I'm not on Instagram. Yeah. I am very active in the Facebook group, yeah, though. No. Well, here we are. Yes, here we are. Loud, proud. Are we? <laughs> We're a proud folk. <laughs> we are. Episode yes. 78. Yes. John Wayne Gacy. Yes. Usually we have a little small talk in the beginning, but we got a lot to. Uh, There's a lot to unpack to go through because this uh, this was a big presence. Yeah. In the '70s, and not only the '70s now. Yeah. It's big... '70s, '80s, mm-hmm. '90s, and again now. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. never seems to stop. No. And if anything, it just gains more steam, unfortunately. Yes. In a lot of areas. One thing I would like to do, and uh, I'm hoping I can pull it up soon because, oh yeah, good, I have it in here. If you want to get deep into the weeds of John Wayne Gacy, I recommend the podcast called Defense Diaries by Bob Bob Moda. Bob Moda Jr. Or Bob Moda Jr. Yes. And basically, he has two seasons in his podcast. The first season is all John Wayne Gacy. Yes. And what he received on a birthday when he was younger. His 21st birthday. 21st birthday. His dad was part of the defense team. For Gacy. For Gacy. Mm -hmm. And he gave him a box of tapes of of recordings with interviews with Gacy. But it was before the trial. Correct. So it's... uh, not a lot of people have heard it. Uh, he was going to do something with AMC at one time and a couple other um, outlets. Outlets, and, Yeah. But he decided a podcast would be better because he didn't have to really beat, march to the beat of someone else's drum. Right. And he could just pull out the, the tapes. The nice part also is he is a defense attorney. Yes, yeah, so he explains things like the yeah. reason why they asked the questions that they asked, or he kind of he really does go into great detail about defense strategies. Yeah, what the defense is set up to do, like well, what he, their actual job is. What he actually mm-hmm. explains because you hear uh, common things with podcasts, you're going to hear it today, is uh, things where the police slipped up and right, things yes. like that. 
And he explains in great detail from a legal standpoint, right. a law enforcement standpoint, why things happen. But he also doesn't really kind of baby step around him. He no. holds him to the flame on a couple of things where yeah. he's like, this is what we should have done or what should have been done. Right. He and, hits the Chicago police. Oh, he hits him hard, hard, but he also No, he hits him hard, but he also explains that a it was nineteen seventy eight. Correct. And you know yes. different time, man, different time. Seriously. And it's... and yeah, it's uh I definitely rem- uh, recommend it. It's Defense Diaries. Yes. And uh, you can find it on all your uh, popular podcast uh, streaming platforms. Correct. And his first season I wanna say is about twenty episodes. With some little things, but most of the episodes are anywhere from like a half hour to an hour long. Yeah, it depends on what he's getting into. Yeah. Uh, do yeah. we want to dive into sources? Yeah, I think so. And then we'll get um, right I've into I've got it. three sources. Uh, biography.com, crime figure John Wayne Gacy, uh, Investigation Discovery, uh, they have an article, and NBCChicago.com okay. also has an article. Uh, once again, the Defense Diaries podcast, again, totally recommend it. Yep. And uh, as always, do the wiki to start things out. And then I went to IndieWire, Esquire. Um, there was a, uh, it's a gra- gratia, gratia Plena Counseling. Uh, it was a psychology thing I checked out. And then uh, DefenseDiaries.com. He actually right, has yes. his own web presence. Yes, he does. Uh, where he has transcripts on a lot of yeah, the Yeah, he's uh, got transcripts. Like he also included mm-hmm. reports and evidence things mm-hmm. and if you join his patreon which by the fourth episode he was pushing pretty hard you well, got access to a lot of uh detailed make, stuff he's yeah. trying to make money i can't hold him back no I, I don't fault him for that no all right because if we were making money we'd be buying kat von d's uh house out <laughs> in uh california it's pretty slick house oh it's beautiful yeah I mean, if you've got 15 million hanging around. Yeah, we ain't going to make 15 million on this podcast. It'd be great if we could. Oh, yeah. But I wouldn't spend 15 million on a house. No, I know. I'd be giving giving the money back in a lot of ways. Right. So So. here we are. (laughs) John Wayne Gacy, March 17th, 1942. He was born, died May 10th, 1994, was an American serial killer and pederast who raped, tortured, and murdered at least 33 young men and boys. Yep. Gacy regularly performed at children's hospitals and charitable events as Pogo the Clown or Patches the Clown, Mm -hmm. which are personas that he devised of his own kind. Mm -hmm. And this led him to become known as the Killer Clown due to his public services as a clown prior to the discovery of his crimes. Yes. So he basically committed all his murders inside his ranch house, so they proclaim, near Norwich, a village in Norwood Park Township, metropolitan Chicago, Illinois. And I think this is a thing to set tone with. Mm -hmm. He was in a metropolitan area. Yes. It's not like he was out in a rural spot or anything. it was a northern suburb of Chicago. But even like a Mm -hmm. suburb, like a suburb out here in central New York, uh, a suburb sub a suburb out in these areas like that's a small suburb and then it's surrounded by rural yeah this is a large suburb area that goes for miles and miles and miles yeah and if it gets it it only gets more congested as you move out and gets into actual downtown 
cities and, and metropolitan right. yes. areas. Yes. So typically he would lure a victim to his home, dupe him into uh, donning handcuffs. This is kind of the theme yeah. to a certain degree. With the guys to, uh, it, it was a magic trick. It's a pretense See if of, you could get out of doing them. a magic trick. Mm-hmm. Now, to roll up and, and start from the beginning, this guy is literally the epitome of a pathological liar. He's textbook yes. pathological liar. So all the things that we do know, you have to take to a level of grain of salt in many contexts and ways. Yes. So if everybody's sitting there stomping a table like, nope, 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 it's like, yeah, I will agree. Probably there is a difference mm-hmm. and variance in the story uh, due to him lying excessively. Correct. So he would try to get him in handcuffs saying, hey, look, and he would put him on himself and then basically he would get out of the handcuffs and then he'd say, why don't you try? Yeah. And then they would get in the handcuffs and they wouldn't get out. And he would say, even on the tapes, I had them. I had them right there. Yeah, they as were soon mine. as they put the cuffs you on. Know, and he would say the words, they were mine. Mm-hmm. I'm going to roll theme out throughout the, the show. Uh, he would then rape and torture his captive before killing him by either asphy- asphyxiation, strangulation um, with... Basically, uh, it would be like rope. Like a garrote. Yeah, yeah. And you would uh, twist it up with a, yep, a, a piece stick. of wood or a mm-hmm. stick. And as you t- uh, twist it, it'll tighten up. Uh, 26 victims were buried in the crawl space of his home. And three others were buried elsewhere on his property. Mm-hmm. Four were discarded on the Des Plaines River. Yes. Uh, so that's it in a nutshell. Okay. Let's... Of what has happened with him. Let's dive into Gacy. Yeah. As you stated, he was born March 17th, 1942 in Chicago, Illinois. He was the son of Danish and Polish parents. Gacy and his siblings grew up with an alcoholic father who would beat the children with a razor strap if they were perceived to have misbehaved. His father physically assaulted Gacy's mother as well. And in the Gacy tapes, in the movie that we watched, his father, his safe haven, if you will, was the basement. And that's where said beatings of the children that's the occurred. Netflix documentary. Yes. Gacy's sister, Karen, would later say that the siblings learned to toughen up against the beatings and that Gacy would not cry. Gacy suffered, suffered further alienation at school, unable to play with other children due to a congenital heart condition that was looked upon by his father as another failing. He later realized he was attracted to men and experienced great turmoil over his sexuality. Gacy worked as a fast food chain manager. uh, It was a Kentucky fried chicken Mm -hmm. (laughs) during the 1960s and became a self-made building contractor and Democratic precinct captain in in the Chicago suburbs in the 1970s. Actually, 1960 at age 18 was when Gacy became involved in politics. Yes. And he was working as an assistant pre uh, precinct captain for the Democratic Party. It was that early, back in yeah. 1960, and he was 18. Yeah. He stated in the doc that politics brought power, mm-hmm. which was the whole reason why he was inserting himself into politics. Well, and his dad criticized him for it and accused him of, you know, a whole bunch of different types of terms yeah. and whatever. yeah. So Gacy later speculated that his decision to become involved in politics, he was actually saying he was looking to seek acceptance from others that he never Got received from, from his, his, father. his father. Throughout the whole doc, he he mentions 
over and over trying oh. to get any sort of his behavior respect from it, his father will, or approval yeah. or whatever, and he never got it. Yeah. So he was well liked in his community. Gacy organized cultural gatherings and was active in political organizations in the JC's civic group. He was married and divorced twice, had two biological children in addition to two stepdaughters. Gacy was a member of a Chicago area, quote unquote, Jolly Joker Clown Club. And that's where he frequently performed in clown attire and makeup at children's parties, charity fundraisers, and other events as his alter egos, Pogo the Clown or Patches the Clown. And in the doc, he stated that if he was in a bad mood, it was a it was a bad idea for him to be dressed as the clown because, you know, sometimes kids can be bastards. Yeah. So the killer clown quote unquote, sometimes lured his victims with the promise of construction work or some other ruse and then captured, sexually assaulted, tortured, and eventually strangled most of them with his hands or with a rope. There were a couple that he did stab. Years later, during a conversation with detectives while he was under surveillance, Gacy discussed his work as a clown, remarking, clowns can get away with murder. In 1968, Gacy was convicted of sexually assaulting two teen boys and given a 10-year prison sentence. His actual uh, sentence was sodomy, and he did serve time for it. Yeah, and prior to that, that's when he was with the Waterloo JCs. Correct. And uh, he joined the local chapter, and he would regular offer extended hours to the organization in addition to... 12 and 14 hour days he worked managing three KFC restaurants. Correct. So I'll tie that up later. Uh, And then at meetings, Gacy often provided fried chicken, insisted on being called the Colonel. (laughs) And that's how he got the whole Colonel thing. Like he'd have these parties with political people and, and he would be dressed in like these Colonel costumes. It wasn't like looking back at that. It was the whole thing with the chicken and all that. And uh, he, and other Waterloo JCs were also deeply involved in wife swapping, prostitution, pornography, and drug use. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, although Gacy was considered ambitious and somewhat of a braggart, the other JCs actually held him in high regard because he would do really good fundraising work. Yes. Um, he would pull in money all over the place. Mm-hmm. And in 1967, they named him outstanding vice president yep. of the Waterloo JCs. Mm-hmm. That same year, Gacy served on the board of directors. Mm-hmm. So he was released on parole in the summer of 1970, but was arrested again the following year after another team, uh, another teen accused Gacy of sexual assault. The charges were dropped when the boy didn't appear during the trial. By the middle of the 1970s, two more young males accused Gacy of rape, and he would be questioned by police about the disappearance of others. Gacy referred to this period of his life as his, quote-unquote, cruising years when he committed most of his murders. On December 11, 1978, 15-year-old Robert Peast went missing. It was reported to police that the boy was last seen by his mother at a drugstore where he worked before he headed out to meet Gacy to discuss a potential construction job. Ten days later, a police search of Gacy's house in Norwood Park, Illinois, uncovered evidence of his involvement in numerous crimes, including murder. It was later discovered that Gacy had committed his first known killing in 1972, taking the life of 16-year-old Timothy McCoy 
after luring the youth to his house. After a lengthy period of uh, police surveillance and investigation and the discovery of several trenches filled with human remains in the crawl space beneath his house, Gacy eventually confessed to killing about 30 people. Over the years, there have been lingering concerns that Gacy may have been responsible for the deaths of other people whose bodies have yet to be found. And when police uncovered human remains in Gacy's house in 1978, eight bodies could not be identified. More recently, Cook County authorities used DNA evidence to identify Gacy's unidentified victims. In 2017, one of these men, victim number 24, was identified as 16-year-old James Jimmy Byron Hackinson. In 1976, Hackinson left his home in St. Paul, Minnesota, and traveled to Chicago to begin life in the city. On August 5th, he called his mother to let her know he had arrived. However, police believe Gacy killed him shortly thereafter. In 1979, Hackinson's mother had contacted authorities to find out if her son was one of Gacy's victims, but she didn't have dental records and the department lacked sufficient resources to identify him as a victim. Hackinson's mother died in the early 2000s, but other family members provided DNA samples in 2017 and authorities made an immediate match to victim number 24. Gacy's trial began on February 6, 1980, with Gacy having confessed to the crimes The arguments were focused on whether he could be declared insane and thus remitted to a state mental facility. Gacy had told police that the murders had been committed by an alternate personality, while mental health professionals testified for both sides about Gacy's mental state. After a short jury deliberation, it was two hours, Gacy was ultimately found guilty of committing 33 murders, and he became known as one of the most ruthless serial killers in U.S. history. He was sentenced to serve 12 death sentences and 21 natural life sentences, to which he replied, I killed 33 times, and you can only kill me once. Gacy outsmarted him again. While imprisoned at the Menard Correctional Center, Gacy took up studying the visual arts, especially painting. His paintings were shown to the public via an exhibition at a Chicago gallery. Many of his paintings depict Gacy as Pogo the Clown. In 2017, Mullock's Auctions in Shropshire, UK, auctioned off a number of Gacy's artwork as well as crime scene pictures from Gacy's trial. Three of Gacy's paintings, including two originals of I'm Pogo the Clown and They Call Him Mr. Gacy, sold for £4,000 and £325, respectively. Eight other works went unsold. It has come to light that the Gacy paintings were not actually painted by Gacy himself. They were painted by other inmates, and he essentially duped the many, quote-unquote, collectors who would later purchase his art. Of course. (laughs) Gacy was imprisoned at the Menard Correctional Center in Illinois for almost a decade and a half, appealing the sentence and offering contradictory statements on the murders in interviews. At one point, he claimed he hadn't killed any of them. Yeah. Though he had confessed, Gacy later denied being guilty of the charges and had a 900 telephone number set up with a 12-minute recorded statement declaring his innocence. As both anti-death penalty forces and those in favor of the execution made their opinions known, Gacy died by lethal injection on May 10, 1994 at the Stateville Correctional Center in Crest Hill, Illinois. 
So let's get to Gacy becoming this. Yeah, because that's basically entity. that's basically the overview. Yes. Of what he did. Yes. We breeze through a lot of it, uh, basically with the intent of just diving into certain elements at this point. Yes. Yes. Because <clears throat> it was a hard. It was a hard way to think of how we were going to do this. I think this is one of the very few podcasts that we've actually, because we were walking Dean just before yes. we got here and we we're like, how the hell are we going to do this? Because, I mean, honestly, I listened to probably, I want to say 15 hours of, or probably eight consecutive hours of audio of this guy talking, yes. just him talking, Yes, which honestly, I'm over it. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's just a terrible person. Like take away, yes. take away the, the bodies yes. and all that stuff. Yes. He's just a terrible person. Yes. He's a manipulator. Yes. Even in the conversations you could see, I mean, like I said, if you really want a clinic on what a pathological liar is, listen to the tapes. Yeah. Cause Casey's what he does. Yeah. Cause what he does and I'll explain it is he will have the most amazing detail superhuman like elephant like detail yes on things as long as it's fitting his narrative correct so if he's controlling the conversation and you'll see that with the tapes with the mm -hmm. interviews yep. from the attorneys and 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 so on and so forth whoever's interviewing him if it's if he's comfortable in his narrative and maneuvering around in his narrative and in his story quote yes. unquote he has all the details. He has everything just dot, eyes dotted, T's crossed. Everything's perfect. Now, the moment that conversation moves out of the narrative. Yes. And doesn't suit his purpose. And doesn't suit his purpose mm -hmm. or position at all in yeah. life and whatever. He instantly becomes the most forgetful fucking person <laughs> on the fucking planet. Yeah. He's yeah. oh yeah no I don't I don't remember what happened then yeah it's like really because you just remembered the last five days perfectly yes like uncomfortably perfectly and like I've got a memory yes. that's insane yes. I mean I had my little incident with <laughs> where lack it wasn't of sleep insane. and yeah lack yes. of sleep and stuff like that but even now like my memory's coming back to what it used to be mm -hmm. where I can just recall stuff right, like crazy yeah. but I mean I remember even before that just like. That doesn't turn off. No. It's always have, on. You have to turn that off. Well, no, he's telling a story. Yes. He knows exactly what the hell happened. Yeah. he. It should be noted, when they arrested him, one, he was out on bail for uh, one of his uh, charges which, of Which raping. time he got arrested? Are you The final about? time. The final where time? Yeah. After Rob Peast went missing mm -hmm. and they were like, okay. You're arrested, and then they started looking in his house, and then they went, oh, shit, this is more than just yeah. Rob Peast. He drew them a very detailed map oh, yeah. of his crawl space yeah. with the locations of what he referred to in the doc as my bodies. Yeah. And I put them where I wanted them. Yeah. They should stay there type of thing. Yeah, we're going to get back to that verbiage at the end of the podcast. But here's 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 where he knew he, exactly what he was doing. When they were tearing down the house, there was a book buried in 
that was how, it was in the attic. It was in the it. attic, yeah. and basically, it was a book that basically uh, described the uh, the mental process that you could go through through mental insanity and things like that through court cases. Yeah, it was a def- it was like a defense trial handbook, and he had highlighted yeah it was the highlights all of the um insanity insanity stuff details so, yeah so he knew what he was doing yes but also this just shows how much he knows what he was doing yeah he went through because here's the thing when he gets arrested he knows he's caught yes he knows he's done yes that's that's all there is mm-hmm. to it but what he did that not a lot of people can really dissect but the dude with the podcast defense diaries yes. there he came right out with it and said Basically, now normally when you get arrested, you go to jail. Correct. And you get processed yes. through jail. And if you don't have the bail money, you know, the money to bail yourself out. If you can't bond yourself out. Or you out, can't yeah. bond, you're staying in mm-hmm. jail. But he knew that basically he wasn't getting out, period. Right. He knew he was in. Yes. And he knew that all this was going to go. So what did he do? He started saying he had chest pains. Yep. Now this actually helped everybody. Mm-hmm. Because with him saying he had chest pains, now he goes into the hospitals and into the hospital, yeah. and the police can say, "Hey, doc, try to slow roll this as much as you want." Right. Because yeah. right now they're going through the house. Yes. While he's in there, because mm-hmm. they got the warrant. Yep. And they're trying to find something to keep him in jail. Correct. And keep him in yes. this the correctional system mm-hmm. the whole entire time and not get out. And and basically. What Gacy was doing in there is when you go into jail, you have access to nothing. Correct. You're in jail. Yes. But when he was in the hospital, he had access to, because he was in a, a ward part area. Right. And and basically, he had access to books. Yep. He could he had access to read things. And, and this basically was putting him in the position to where he could figure out how he was going to build yeah, this he insanity was, He plea. was in the part of a mental hospital. Yeah. So he had access to all of the... Yeah. Even if he's under The mental health yeah. books. And yeah. they actually claimed that he was reading and yep. things like that. Yeah. So, so he had time to study up. Well, yeah, but also just kind of concrete things. Yeah. I think he already had this plan in play way before it even happened. Yes. I think he was just like, you know what? If I'm going to... Obviously, I'm going to get caught at some point. Yes. At some point. Yes. And and until then, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. But when I do, you know, you mean to tell me you had a plan? This is where I got to laugh with serial killers and murderers, mm-hmm. just period. Yeah. You mean to tell me that they had a plan to kill somebody, but they didn't really have a plan after that? Yeah. You know, like there's, there's the passion killing and right. the, uh, you know, like that instant in a fit of rage. I'm not right. talking yeah. about that. No, I'm no. talking about the murder in the first degree yes. premeditated murder. You mean to tell me that they planned all of this right up to here. And then after that, they don't have a remote idea of what they're doing. Yeah. Especially someone like this. Who's got 30 bodies laying around. Yeah. You know, he's got a plan. Oh yeah. He's easily got a plan. Yes. And and that's uh that's the the part where like he just you see the lying and the manipulation. Yes. And when it's in his narrative, oh, he has all all the details, everything you want to know. Yep. But then they'd be like, "Oh, what about this body?" And he's like, "Yeah, I don't know what happened there. I don't know I, how that body got there." I don't even there. know if I killed him. Yeah. All I know is I went to bed and when I woke up, he was dead. Yeah. I mean, he was on my floor. 
mm-hmm. and he was yeah. bound, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, it was it's like, okay, <laughs> okay. You remember bringing them to your house. Yeah. You remember drinking with them or mm-hmm. doing drugs. Yeah. You remember uh, binding them either mm-hmm. with the handcuffs or something else. Yeah. You remember putting the rope around their neck and then you don't remember anything else. Mm-hmm. But you remember, then you woke up in the morning and, oh, they they were just dead on my floor. Yeah, but you could see the tactics with the investigators. Like, it's definitely worth listening to the tapes. Yes. Because you could see really how good investigators are. And and not just investigators, but also these attorneys. Oh, yeah. That are questioning people. Because I will say. they've baited, you'd watch them bait them. And then it's to the point where now, like, they've, they positioned a question where if he doesn't, say what he did he looks weak right and like he would fall for that bait every single time bob mata senior mm-hmm. the yeah defense the attorney yep who worked on the case mm-hmm. he went at casey so hard yeah and he was excellent at laying those traps. Well, and here's the reason why. And this is a, a thing as well. Like if you don't follow the whole Gacy mm-hmm. thing in any kind of detail. So that attorney that you're talking about was hired on later. Correct. And, and he wasn't the head attorney. No. The head attorney knew Gacy. Yes. And he was honestly compromised. Yes. Like he shouldn't have represented him. No. At all. But he did. Yes. And and he did for the right reasons yes. to give him a fair trial. Because yes. regardless of what people want to say, even people as heinous as this, they need a fair trial. Because if you don't give this guy a fair trial, then where does the line go? Correct. You know, yes. so you give everybody a fair trial. And that's why it's written right in the freaking Constitution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And and part of your Bill of Rights. You know, I mean, it's, it's necessary. But this guy was compromised because right when it started, Gacy would call his head attorney and he's look, you know, I got all this, I'm in big trouble, blah, 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 blah. You know? And then when he finally, when the attorney figured out what was going on and heard it from him, he was shocked because he was this model guy. Yeah. He was this like model person. Yeah. Gacy showed up at his office. It was him and uh, this other guy. I think it was Joe Lester, Mm -hmm. Sam, who was his actual attorney and Gacy just spilled his guts on all of the murders, what was going on, where the bodies were buried. And, uh, Gacy was being surveilled at this time and the cops were downstairs. Yeah. And his attorney told the cops, don't let him leave. If he tries to leave, shoot out his tires. And they're like, we can't do that. And he's like, you've got to. Like the attorney's like, you can't let him go. Yeah. And what happens? Gacy wakes up in his office. He's like, I got a lot to do today. I got to go. And he left. And the cops went with him. And you could just see on his face. He was like, I couldn't tell the cops because of attorney client privilege. Yeah. He was like. (laughs) Yeah. But no, this is where, I mean. Like, there's a lot of restrictions that the police department had. There was a lot of times where they really dropped the ball. Uh, I will say. I'm not going to get into detail as far as that. But but. Des Plaines Police Department, who ultimately were the ones that opened up this whole can of worms, if you will, because Mm -hmm. they 
shocker, actually were investigating Rob Peast, if it hadn't been for them, I yeah. don't know. Yeah, I don't I mean, know what no that happened. and that's why I don't want to get into the the minutia of where they right. where they fucked up because they did fuck up in a lot of areas. But people don't want to see where the pendulum swings the other way. Mm-hmm. Like they'll sit there and you know they'll say, well, you know, if they track down this ring, you know, this class ring from one of the victims, it would yeah. have saved eleven murders. You know, yeah. And it's like, yeah, okay, but you know what? These guys could have just said, nah, we're not dealing with that. We got murders that we're dealing with and we can't deal with these missing kids right and they could have shuffled it there and it could have been way way more um, right and yeah. people don't want to talk about that mm-hmm. here's the thing that county this is cook county it's where, it's a massive county and just to give this some perspective for probably a lot of people that just don't understand in 1978 cook county had four million people in the county mm-hmm. now that's a ton of people in one county. That's a ton of crime. And it's 1978. Yeah, it's 1978. You don't have, none of these departments are interconnected. They don't talk to each no, other. No, they don't talk to each other because they're too freaking busy. Yes. People just don't want to understand how much crime really takes place. Yes. And I'm not talking about like your exotic stuff. Just run of the mill crime. Yes. Domestic disturbances, theft. Yeah. You know, uh, just... Assault and van- battery. No, just vandalism. Yeah. You know, all that stuff. It's Grand it, Theft Auto. And when you got 4 million people squashed together, mm-hmm. it happens even more. Mm-hmm. Now, in Cook County, they had 4 million people. They had six precincts yes. inside Cook County. Yeah. So that's six mini counties, precinct counties, Yes. inside one county of 4 million people. Right. And... Still, with the staffing, they're at max capacity right. to check this stuff yes. out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is where it gets messy. Yes. And that's where, you know, a lot of people sit there and say, oh, well, you know, um, and I'm not saying it's not true. I'm not saying whatever, but they just said, you know, oh, nobody cared about runaway kids. Nobody cared about gays. No one cared about homosexuals. You right. know, no one cared about... It was a different climate. They had a different attitude towards that. They did. But at the end of the day, like everywhere else, missing people, it's good for about 48 hours because they have a show on this, the last 48. Yeah. You know, where the it, first 48. Or the first 48, mm-hmm. where, you know, basically it's 48 hours. And the reason they have 48 hours because they're just not staffed to carry it on full time anymore. Correct. And you get the most important. Yeah. leads in that first 48 hours after 48 hours it no, no, starts it, to go it drops cold. off like a yeah. cliff but you know think about it if you've got 20 people which you know is probably a number that's not even viable but say you got right. 20 people on active cases yeah and there's this murder case and you're like all right all hands on deck we got to find this murderer right guess what they're not guess investigating what they're not now. investigating the domestic disturbances the vandalism yep. Yep. the theft the mm-hmm. you know you name it yeah they, they got to drop the ball on all this. Yep. So there's murders and, and beatings happening more often than what people would like to say. But right. so when someone says, well, I just, somebody's missing. Yeah, no, we'll get to it. We'll right. try. Yeah. We'll try. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, uh, that's not only the way it is in 1978, but also today. It, it kind of, it, it kind just, of it is. is. Yeah. It's, a, it's, I, I, people just need to be comfortable with that fact. Yes. And yes. And and that uh and that created this kind of just climate for a monster like this, 
he actually had, truth be told, a pretty good hunting ground. Like he had, well, he had this city, does. but like he stated, when he wanted to go on the prowl or he went cruising, he went to the bus depot. Yeah. And he would just, he said when they were walking on the streets, he took the people who looked the most innocent yeah. because they would be more compliant. The suckers. He would, yeah, yeah. He would be able oh. to get control over them yeah. and bend them to his will. But he had a recipe and he had a theme. He had he these did. runaway kids. Yes. He had these kids that had really no attachment. Right. Um, you know, they, they had problems with family and they were running away from that. All these types of unwanted people yeah. that he could do what he wants with. Yes. And that's where he's, he screwed up with, with Rob Peast. With Rob Peast. And I think Rob Peast was his mess up there. And he admitted it openly. Yeah. He said, I picked the wrong kid in the wrong town. He goes, I had never seen him before. Everyone saw me in the pharmacy, which is yeah. where Rob Peast was working. Mm -hmm. And everyone knew he came out to talk to me. Then I leave and he disappears. Yeah. He's like, of course they were going to come to me. Well, and the problem was, though, is he had a great home life. Rob Peace did, yes. Yeah, he had a great home life. He had a great, like, he was likable. Yeah. Everybody liked him. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't the outcast that he would normally grab. No. And I, he was missing on uh, his mother's birthday. Yep. And, like, he was the kid that just, like, would never miss, like, mom's birthday. Yeah, he wouldn't do and that. And all that. Yeah. yeah. You know, so. Nor would he leave without making some sort of contact with his parents. Yeah. That's why his parents almost immediately it was, I'd say, within a day, had filed the missing person report. And that's when Desplaines started investigating. Well, and that's where they stuck on Peast, and that's why they always had to find his body and everything like that, because it, the whole case was on this kid. Right, yes. It was literally this kid it was on, yeah. because if, if, if that fell apart, and this is where Defense Diaries, listening to that, he brings in, as a defense attorney, like, in law, why, like, not finding his body would be, the yeah. whole case rested on that. And I don't think a lot of people understood to what capacity of that, because that was the was reason. the only missing person, if you will, that could be directly tied to Gacy in that they were, Gacy would have been the last person to see him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just the yeah. last, last yep. hope, so to speak. Yep. And- and Peace was killed in 1978, just to get a timeline yeah. on all of this. Because uh, a lot of people get their dates screwed up with this. And I figure I would uh, settle this to, uh, to some degree. But the assault on Donald Voorhees, uh, the son of a fellow JC, that mm -hmm. was really kind of like his first thing outside of like the sodomy and stuff right, like that. Yeah. That was 1967. Okay. So that's like 11 years ago, you know, prior to, yep. to peace, di uh, peace dying. And, and Gacy lured Voorhees to his house, and basically it was the promise to show these uh, porn films uh, that were regularly played at these JC events. Yep. And Gacy piled uh, Voorhees with alcohol, allowing him to watch, the, you know, the movie. 
Then he persuaded him to uh, engage in mutual oral sex, uh, adding, you have to have sex with a man before you start having sex with women. Mm-hmm. And over the following months, uh, Gacy would abuse several other youths, uh, including one whom he encouraged to have sex with his own wife before blackmailing him into performing oral sex on him. Uh, Gacy tricked several teenagers into believing he was commissioned to conduct homosexual experiments in the interest of scientific research, paying him $50 each. A lot of weird stuff going on. He did that. One of his... um victims of Gacy when he was living in Iowa. This was when he was married to his first wife and he was the uh, managing the KFCs. This kid ended up at Gacy's because one of the kid's friends um, worked at the Kentucky Fried Chicken and had to pick up his check before they could go to some party. Mm-hmm. And Gacy invited these three young men to his house and they were playing pool And this one guy, he was really good at pool. So Gacy said to him, you know, you want to play for money? And this guy was like, sure, I'll I'll take your money and beat you at pool. So they were talking about a party the next day. And the two friends of this guy said, hey, Steve, you should stay here at John's and then you can drive him to the party the next day because it was like in Iowa city and Gacy wasn't familiar with the area. Mm -hmm. So this guy stayed and then Gacy started putting the moves on him in the basement. And this guy started to cry because Gacy was like trying to get him to perform some sort of sexual act. And then Gacy started laughing at him and brought out all of these psychological books and he was like you know i'm i'm doing these studies on homosexuality he goes this was a test and he's like you know i just yeah i was just trying to get a rise out of you and he's like you know you you did fine on the test so gacy says let's go to bed so the guy goes to bed and he hears the uh it was a gun to the back of his head mm-hmm and he is looking down the barrel of the gun. And then then again, after Gacy was propositioning him, guy started to cry and he's begging and pleading, please don't make me do this. I don't want to do this. And again, Gacy started laughing. And then, you know, he's sitting there. He's trying to go to sleep at Gacy's house. And he wakes up. This is like the third time now. And Gacy's sitting on his bed. He's got his hand on the guy's thigh. And he has a knife at the hollow of his neck. And he's again propositioning him. And then he again starts laughing. And Gacy left, went to his bedroom. He was like, you know, I was just so, so upset that I wasn't able to get a rise out of you with my other tests that I, I just felt I had to give it one last try. So the guy put all of his clothes on. He goes, and I sat on that bed until 6.30. At 6.30, I went, knocked on his door, said, John, let's go. Drove him to Iowa Falls, and he goes, and that's it. I was done. He, he was like, I, I never wanted anything to do with 
him or anything else again. But what gets me is why the fuck did you stay? Yeah. Just fucking go. Go. Like, yeah. I just don't understand this. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's a weird, it's a weird position I get into reading these things, mm-hmm. doing research on them. It drives me nuts because, like, here you have a monster. Yes. Just flat out monster. Yes. But yet you have this person here that's just like, it's, it, it's, I find sympathy. Don't, I don't want right, this yes. to come out wrong. Yes. But there's times where I feel like I have to drum it up sometimes. Yeah. It's like, why do I have to feel sorry? It's like, if you can't pass this test yeah. of survival, yeah. basically, it's like, I don't know what to tell you. I don't right. know what to, like, you know, because you are you clearly have no fight or flight right. in you. Yeah. You know, because you're in this fucked up situation mm-hmm. and you're, the guy's sleeping. Like you're in different rooms. Yeah. It's not like, yeah, you know, like it's one thing if like, say you're next to somebody and all seems to be right. You know, say you're going in and, you know, this person's like, hey, I got to go over to this person and ask for money. He owes me money. I got to get him money. It's like, oh, okay. And you go in and they start talking. Dude's like, hey, I ain't got the money. I ain't got the money. And you're like, you know, and you're sitting here like, well, all right. How's this going to fucking go? Right. How's this going to play out? Yeah. You know, and the guys, you know, and you're thinking like, all right, he's probably going to fucking kick his ass. Mm -hmm. So then he starts doing that, starts kicking his ass. And you're just sitting there Mm -hmm. because you're like, all right, well, I could leave. But this is probably going to be a bad thing between the two of us because we're right here in the room. Right. Now, guy pulls out a gun, shoots him right in the head. Yeah. And then says, help me look for some money. Mm-hmm. Well, now you got a guy with a gun in his hand. What are you right. going to do? You're going to help him look for some money. Correct. You know, that's how yeah. it goes. So then you look for the money. Mm-hmm. You get the money out. Okay. Hop in the car. And you go. And and you go with him. Mm-hmm. And then he drops you off. You're mm-hmm. like, okay. Now, if he took me to his house, it was just like, dude, why don't you stay here tonight? I don't know, man. I want to hang out, you know, blah, blah. No, dude, you know, and just like gently suggests that you need to stay the night. Yeah, okay. I'm up in the middle of the night. Yeah. Once I hear snoring or anybody sleeping, yeah. I'm you gone. Bounce. I'm out. Yeah. I'm bouncing. Yep. And and that's what I just don't get some of these stories. And it yeah. just, some of them add up, some of them don't. Right. And I get there's people that have problems. I get there's people. I didn't know this until I was older. Mm-hmm. I kind of saw it a little bit as a kid, but I didn't really, you know, you're a kid. You don't really know much. But right. I, But yeah. I do get the fact that there are people who genuinely freeze in pressure moments. There are, yes. And I'm not saying, like, just don't have a hard time delivering. No, just, like, straight up freeze. Right, Like, yes. just can't do anything, can't think of any thoughts. And that's where I eventually find empathy and sympathy for someone like that. Right. Yes. You know, I took a ways around to get there, but it's like, (laughs) but that's how I end up, you know, I, that's where I end up coming up with that. It's like, no, I have to understand that, that people just fucking freeze. Yeah. They don't react. They're fighting fight or flight. Yeah. They're overwhelmed. Their Mm -hmm. brains just going, you know, or or white noise, just, you know, or just flat out silence and can't hear anything. 
where I know I'm different. I'm just like, I'm instantly thinking, analyzing like, okay, option A, B, C, D, E, F, you know. and How does Frankie get the fuck out of this? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) no, exactly, you know. And I will say, prior to my relationship, I'm no, I'm not, I'm not going to use that word. Prior mm. to being with my ex husband, mm-hmm. I always thought, mm, yeah, you know, whatever. I'm not worried about it. I'm a fighter, or I'll yeah. just beat feet and get the fuck out of there. Yeah. When I was knee deep in it, yeah, it was confirmed I am a fighter. Yeah. And then ultimately, I was like, it's just not fucking worth any of this. Yeah. I was like, and I'm out. Yeah. I'm done. And I'm like so done. I'm beyond. Like, you don't even exist in my world anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where. But I get that there are a lot of people where. Oh, they just freeze. That, that. That doesn't happen for them. Yeah. No. And and what I'm getting at before with that happening in 1968 is that was clearly probably the first time he was pulling shit, you know, yeah. trying to lure people yeah. in with movies and kids like that. I think he was like getting that. up his, his chops. Like well, I'm not even to... getting, I'm not even getting into that. I think he just at that time gave into his urges. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to, you know, I know you say this sometimes and. It's all right. It's a show and we love each other, but like everybody tries to treat someone like this, like they're a championship fighter and they're like, Oh, this is when he was trying to blah, blah, blah. No, he's an animal. Yeah. And he just gets a taste for something. Just trying to see what he and can get away with. And once he gets with. a taste of something, mm-hmm. once there's that first taste, that first thing, then it's just, okay, I can't stop. Like, I, I think people really miss the leap on that. Yes. Like, it's just, it's 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 animalistic behavior. Yes. It's not, you know, I I hope he doesn't come and kick my ass because I know he beat that dude up in the airplane. You watch the oldest videos of Mike Tyson. Dude couldn't even talk. Yeah. And I remember when I was working with somebody on the canal, they knew him through, like, a, a custom auto was training him. And he was showing up for the cat skills for something because that's where he got trained yeah. and all that. And he was near like a basketball park. And the dude was like, he was like, man, I was playing ball there, Frank. He's like, and what I couldn't get over was just like, he was like an animal. Like he would grunt. Yeah. And he just like, you know, like if a girl walked by, he couldn't control himself. And he mm-hmm. just, Ugh, you know, and, and I mean, like, I love Mike Tyson as a fighter. And I think he's awesome now yeah. doing things, but like, you watched him in the ring. He was a fucking animal. He like, says it himself. Yeah. No, I mean, he's said it himself that he's an animal. And and that's where, like, a normal functioning person right. wouldn't understand any of that. Right. Like, I, I try to, like, explain, like, to normal functioning people, even just boxing itself. Yes. It's like, think of it. Why the fuck would you want to hop into a... First off, why would you want to train... <laughs> for a year, yes, a year, yes. every day, train eight hours a day, yes. get in the best physical shape you can, yes. spar with guys, yes, and then hop into a ring with another lethal person, yes, and fight them. Because I mean, granted, I UFC's cool, yes, I get the draw for it, 
But like boxing to me Back is in like the, day. the most, well, even now the boxers are insane. They will go 10 rounds. Yes. 10 rounds. Mm-hmm. Why would anybody fucking sign up for that? It's insane. True. You know, you've got to be just totally different wired person. Yes. To do it's a that. Totally different. To even mindset. just like conceptually get yourself into that zone and do it. Like, yeah. That isn't something you drum yourself up. You're just like, no, I'm doing this. I'm going to train for a year to do my best to beat the shit out of another person who is training for a year themselves yeah. to beat the shit out of me. Out of another person. Yeah. You know, and, and it's multiple rounds and it could yeah. go 10 rounds. It like, also could go very badly. You know, and I get how physical UFC is yeah. and all that, but they got yeah. three rounds. Yeah. You know, but like boxing, it's 10 rounds on their feet, whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, and yeah. I like, I'd love to explain that to people. It's like normal people don't do that. No. It's even UFC. Normal people don't do that. No. You know, there's this animalistic behavior that yes. that gets it's primal yeah but it gets fulfilled yes that they can't get that fulfilled anywhere else Correct. and that's why i'm always happy like i'm glad boxing exists for people that <laughs> yes, like boxing and, that and i'm glad ufc <laughs> exists for people that yes. love hand-to-hand combat like that because yes. imagine folks for one moment if boxing <laughs> yeah. and ufc were illegal yeah and didn't exist what would these guys and ladies do with themselves yeah they just have this like energy and somebody rage. would say something that pissed them off in a bar yeah and or you wouldn't take shit from someone on an airplane you know i yep, mean it just yep 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 like yep. so so now where I'm getting at with all this, if you're still listening, I'm sorry, <laughs> but now take that even higher. Yeah. And you've just got this like massive animal that just is just raging. And, and he said himself in his own words mm-hmm. that when he killed that first boy in 1972 mm-hmm. and he didn't get arrested, like he immediately thought he was going to be arrested yeah. the next day. That's and when t- that didn't happen, like nobody even questioned him or said anything. Mm-hmm. He was like, oh, all bets are off. Yeah, exactly. The cravings filled. Yeah. And this is where I, I think people don't just give this enough credit mm-hmm. for its simplicity. Yes. Everybody wants to make up the complicated thing. Oh, he wasn't raised right. Oh, he wasn't this. He wasn't that. And you know what? I'm not going to get into whether right, yes. that's the truth yes. or not. You know, but I think that this guy had a lot more than just childhood messing around with him. He was in that JC's where they're doing the swapping of what, you know, so yeah. you got this guy who has a sexual energy, mm-hmm. which I think in his 20s, he was okay with. Because he's young, he's 20, yep. and everybody's kind of exploratory, you know, getting yeah, through. Yeah, and it would have been the 60s, you yeah. know, sex, love, yeah, no, rock exactly. and roll. Exactly. So then it gets in past the late 60s, and now he's 30. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who are over 30 and average looking, because he's average, average looking, looking, yes, you know, things change. Yes. Things change after 30. You can't get the draw that you right. used to get. Yep. You, you don't can't get, get the this. play you used to yeah. get. Yeah, and, and some transition that into a normal thing. Some get into marriage and kids mm-hmm. and prosper greatly with that and become dad of the year. Right. Others marry, get kids, and realize that this isn't anything they want. Right. And they go through the downward slide and, 
And here's the thing. Dude gets married twice. Yeah. He has kids. Yeah. He was trying it. And he even says in the tapes, like, I wanted a family. I wanted this thing. Yeah. But the problem is, is he's a monster. Yeah. And and in his own words, he was like, you know, that first year of marriage was great. And the kids came along and that was great. Mm -hmm. And he's like, but by year two, and that's how, that's when they both start on the decline. Yeah. Is year two. He's not into it anymore. But all the even the two wives were like he was just never into it the whole time. Yeah, you know, and this is where I think he had a massive conflict with his sexuality. Definitely. And everybody can I, say the climate was that, but I think this guy could have existed in anything. He had these urges. Yes. And you can see it. Don't believe me? Listen to the tapes. Yes. Because when he talks about his childhood, again, total details, everything. Yep right down to specific moments in time, but he has a, a poetic way of talking about it. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's, it really is. It's a poetic way. He talks about his childhood. Then he gets into his twenties and through there where he's doing all of this, you know, trying different things yep. and, you know, moved yep. and all that. And, and it's still poetic. And then after he got into politics and after he got in with the JCs, all of a sudden, you just see as a snap of a finger how cold he gets. Yes. And he and this is when he got, this is after, like slightly before he killed Jack McCoy, but also with the um, the sodomy charge yeah. in 68, I think it was, or something like that. 67, 68. Yeah, and that's like that. when he yeah. was with the JCs. Mm -hmm. and, and so now you've got this, you know, he's... He's cold, calculated. It, you can see it when he's yes. talking about it. It all of a sudden it becomes cold, and it just becomes real coarse. Yep. And really, just matter of fact, no feeling, shut off. Yep. And it's just you can see that change, and that's where everybody says, you know, oh, it could have been this, it could have been that. It's like, no, I think he did something, and he liked it. Yeah. End of story. Yes. The whole sodomy thing, and and him going through that, and then he was in prison. Yep. And then he kind of maneuvered through prison. Yep. And I think that was a thing with him, too, where he was just like, I can really kind of succeed anywhere. It was a 10-year sentence, and he was out in a year. In a year. And then he yeah. was able... Now, this was in Iowa that he was in prison, but he was able to complete his parole yeah. in Chicago. Like, he went yeah. back to Cook County, and the cops were even saying, those. he, he was given a, a clear... Yeah. A clear ticket. He got yeah. like a free pass. He's no, like, this because is... they weren't talking to each other. The no. parole boards. No, they weren't, weren't touching. You know, yeah. they weren't talking to each other. And he'd have these big parties at the house. 100, 150 people. 100, 150 people. You know, he actually has a picture of him next to Jimmy Carter's wife. Yes. At some political shindig. I mean, he's. That was when he was in the, um, the, the Democratic. Yeah party there when he was the yeah captain. he was doing fundraising yeah. for him and he was a captain and like he did good fundraising and yeah. stuff he was elbow to elbow with a he lot of people his, he got secret service clearance clearance to be able to be have his picture around and around the first lady the first lady yeah now mind you there were boys buried in his crawl space at that at time. that time yeah. yeah 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 so which brings me to we may bleed a little over, but we'll we'll do our best here. This brings me into because I want to ask you this. I, okay. I want to see what your uh, your take is on it. 
do you think he had help? Or yes. was he just doing this all alone? I know he had help because he said it right in the tapes. Yeah. It was, and it, in one of the tapes, it was said that, um, Rossi, Rossi, that yeah. Rossi and Gacy were having an affair. Rossi was married and he was making the most. Now, Gacy was already paying his, uh, contractors because he had a contracting company. Mm-hmm. He was already paying them more and they were all young, young boys. And, you know, he just kept saying, well, I'm just giving them a chance. But Rossi made the most and Rossi actually dug trenches along with another worker of Gacy's in the crawl space. Because I know the movie that they do, like the the older movie, Mm -hmm. it's Rossi and his girlfriend were digging the trenches. And, yeah, no. And that's uh, wrong. Yeah. Um, and that's where I like to say, like, you can't believe the movie for what it is. No. You know? But I, listening to everything, for me, it's impossible for Rossi not to be. At least complicit. Complicit, some sort of either minor or major accomplice. Yeah. I, he, I, here's I, the deal. Dude lived with him. The whole entire spree from 1972 to 1978. He either lived with him or he was around him. There were several times when Gacy said Rossi was asleep on the couch. Yeah. And the latest victim was dead in the hallway and Gacy was asleep in his bed. Not the 10 years, but uh, I know like two two years. Yeah. Because let me do the quick count here. One, two, three, four. Six, seven, eight, nine. It's crazy. 10, 11, 12, 13. 14 bodies from the house were killed in 77 and uh, 78. Yeah. And that's times when Rossi was living, was there. Yes. living with them. Mm-hmm. Those those two years, yes. or at least, a, even if it's just 78, that's one, two, three, four, five that he killed. Of course, those five of 78, one was in the crawl space and the rest were in the river. Right, but seventy-seven. Because he ran out of. Uh, I remember real reading a book and uh, a book. Um, I remember reading. Uh, yeah, he. I'm pretty sure he was there in seventy-seven, and that would leave one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine people buried in the crawl space below the house. Yes. And you're you're living with this guy. Yeah. I mean, I just don't dig in the holes. I don't get where you can't. You've got to be some sort of accomplice. Yes. Yeah. One, you're going to smell the decay. Mm -hmm. There's no way that you can't. I don't. And it was a super damp basement or crawl space. And like when the heat would kick on, it would just like. Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about a very wet environment. Yeah. So you're talking about bloated bodies. It, mm-hmm. Of course, it's going to be pungent. And yeah. he was putting lime on the bodies, and the the detectives were saying that the lime that he put on the bodies mm-hmm. actually probably helped to preserve the skeletons. It ate the flesh. It ate the flesh off, but, but it, it preserved, preserved the, the bones. skeletons. It preserved yeah. the bones, yeah. Well, it's... Uh, Gacy uh, told his investigators after his arrest that he had not acted alone in several of the murders. Yes. Uh, He asked whether 
and he would call them, my associates have been arrested. Uh, when questioned whether these associates had participated directly or indirectly in the killings, Gacy replied directly. Yes. He later claim, uh, claimed uh, Cram and Rossi yes. were involved in several of the murders. Some criminal defense attorneys and investigators researching the possibility that Gacy had not acted alone in several of the murders have said there is overwhelming evidence Gacy worked with an accomplice. In the 1980s, Gacy informed FBI profile Robert Ressler that two or three PDM employees, everybody has to, yep. uh, should know PDM was the name of his company. Correct. That would, uh, what was it, paint and, uh, uh, I can't remember. Paint, demolition, and maintenance. Maintenance, Then he like called that. it Polish Daily Maintenance. Yeah. And he had another tour. one. Yeah. But uh, he said two or three of the employees had assisted in several murders. Ressler believed there were unexplained avenues to the case and that Gacy had killed more than 33 victims in multiple states. Gacy neither, uh, neither confirmed nor denied Ressler's suspicions. Jeffrey uh, Rignall, who uh, had been assaulted and tortured by Gacy in March 78, was adamant that at one point during his abuse and torture, a young man with brown hair had knelt before him and watched his abuse. Rignall also said that he saw a light come on in from another part of the house, like yeah, just you know going on. So on one occasion, three days before his arrest, during their surveillance of Gacy, two officers followed him to a bar where he met two employees, Michael Rossi and Ed Hefner, and anxious Gacy was observed walking with the two out of earshot of the surveillance officers to talk privately before returning closer to the officers. Gacy said to both young men, you'd better not let me down, you fuckers. You owe it to me. The officers then overheard sections of a hushed conversation between Gacy and the two during which Rossi asked Gacy, and what, buried like the other five? Yeah. So in interviews from Death Row, Gacy said that at the time of his arrest, uh, the three PDM employees were also considered suspects in the murders, all of whom he said were in possession of keys to his house. Yes. In addition to Cram and Rossi, Gacy named his former employee, Philip Pask, P-A-S-K-E, mm -hmm. uh, who was known to have been a close associate of John Norman and an acquaintance of David Cram. So in the late 1970s, Norman operated a nationwide sex trafficking ring based in Chicago mm -hmm. known as the Delta Project. You can look it up. Yeah. It's real. Uh, at least two victims believed to have been murdered by Gacy, Kenneth Parker and Michael Marino, are known to have last been seen alive close to where Norman lived. Mm -hmm. This led to the theory that Gacy had been uh, connected to this trafficking ring. That's a big theory. Yes. It's a really big theory. It should also be noted that Rossi was driving one of the victim's cars. Yeah. Which was separate from anything, but yeah, like, yeah, he had the victim. He's like, "Oh, cool car. Well, do you need it? You know, pay me." Uh, Bullshit. Pay I me think something. that was that was his severance for his assistance. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, everybody talked about the whole uh, the company that he had. Everybody was asking him because he always hired these young men. Yep. And people didn't really ask that much about it, but some were a little concerned. Well, but they kept saying, why aren't you hiring these older skilled workers? That was the thing. There was two really weird things that he was doing. 
he was hiring all these young men that had no skill and, no experience and, and, and experience in the construction company he was doing. But at the same time, he can get away with that with his political side saying, I'm trying to help people out. Yeah. These are guys that need a hand. And I'm but, training them to do it the right way. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm yeah. training. So that was his, that was his pattern. Now here is the other weird thing. He'd pay them way more than they would get anywhere yeah. else. Yes. And he was paying more to his young boys than other contracting companies. With skills. Yeah. You know, we're yeah. paying skilled workers. And yeah. and that was stuff that didn't really mesh, so to speak. Correct. And uh, and that's where, you know, I'm glad this ran late because I'm not going to go on the rant of child trafficking no. rings that yeah. I'd love to go on. But I buy that. Oh, 100%. I buy that he was involved with the child trafficking yes. ring. I have a few theories on it. Uh, I think in one shape or form, he was involved with it. Yes. I think that's why he walked around um, a little braggadocious, so to speak, yes. untouchable, because I think he had a group of people behind him. Protecting him, yeah. Per basically protecting him. Mm -hmm. And I think these ones that are on the list here are casualties of business. Mm -hmm. I think that's what these were. I think these were ones that they couldn't get through the child trafficking network like they weren't even wanted by them. Right. Uh, and I think the child trafficking like heads mm -hmm. were just like, well, get rid of them. Okay, yeah. I'll get rid of them. You know, so I think like he gave five, got one back, gave 10, got one back, something Maybe. like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I really uh, emphatically believe that he killed way more than what they the got. The 33 that he was accused. Yeah, the 33 that he's accused of. of. I would be willing to bet that there's half. That's half. At least half. Oh, I'm just saying yeah. very conservatively, that's half. Yeah. I I would not be surprised later on if someone dropped a dime, you know, on their deathbed yeah. being like, yeah. look, I know everything and this is the truth. Yeah. And like the numbers just yeah. pile. Spill your guts. Yeah, the numbers just pile right up. But the child trafficking thing, I I believe that that would also it's plausible. Play, I'm not going to say I believe it, but it's plausible. There was um, investigation discovery did a limited series called Deadly Legacy, and it follows Detective Sergeant Jason Moran, who is a one man cold case unit in Cook County, and he exhumed the eight unidentified victims of Gacy to pull DNA. And he did this in like 2010, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And they have been able to identify three of those unidentified victims. But if you want to play the whole human trafficking card, that would make it easy for five of them to remain unidentified unless someone within the family submits like familial DNA. Yeah, And I think that, would likely be the next logical step for them is to submit the DNA profiles that they have to the the genealogical sites. Yeah, the, yeah. And you would likely get matches that way, especially if these were, they would have been boys coming in from other states, maybe even other countries. Mm -hmm. And that would be a surefire way to identify the remaining five. Yeah. And I think that might 
actually, because right now they're relying on family members coming forward and saying, oh, hey, you know, we have a missing family member and then submitting their DNA. Yeah. In order to yeah. make the match and no, identify. That makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, I just have a hard time not believing. Yeah. You know, he was a power hungry guy. He was. This really is the essence of power hungry. I know there's other people that talk about, oh, this person, you know, he's power hungry. This person's power. This is like true power. Yeah. And, there, and where you really saw it at its saddest moment was when the police started basically trailing him. Mm -hmm. And the problem was, is due to lack of staff, like basically to effectively trail someone, you got to have about six people involved yeah, to make it look like they're not being followed. Right. Because uh, if you only, in this case with him, they only had a couple vehicles yeah, they had that they could follow. Two guys two. at night and two guys in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> and so basically in that case, you're going to know you're being followed in probably 15 minutes because you're just going to see the same car yeah. around you. Oh, he knew. He with would, the same people. He would tell them, hey, guys, I'm going to yeah. this place. Or he would say well, to them. No, and this is where yeah. I was saying this is where it gets really sad. So this was smart of the cops. They were like, look, all right, we can't. We can't follow follow him without him knowing. Right. So the police made a decision. And again, this is where I think police should get the credit for where it's deserved. They made the conscious decision right at that point to say, all right, we're going to follow him everywhere. Yeah. Because here's the thing. He can't kill anybody while we're following him. Correct. And they think about that. Like, you yeah. know, I remember they were saying at one point, like, how many murders would they have saved? Again. Yep. Just by... This close contact. Right. So they literally followed him everywhere. Yep. If he went into a store, they went into a store. Yep. If they went, uh, if he went to eat at a restaurant, he, he would join. They it, went to the restaurant. They went to the restaurant. So one day, he starts talking to him out in his driveway, and the cops are like, "Yeah, you know what? Let's see where this goes." Yeah. And basically, he's, you know, the point is, is he's bored at this point because here's the pro here was also the other thing with them following him. Nobody wanted to be around him because he right. always had cops around him. Yes. Everybody's got to remember in 78, of course, not too long ago, but in 78, weed was illegal. Yep. Um, you know, and all everybody that was going over to his house wasn't really doing legal things at that time. Right. But also all of his Democratic uh, Party people that he was really influenced in with. Yeah. They just, they're not going to hang around that. And also when... The, when he was being tailed by the cops, anyone he spoke to, the cops would go and talk to him and yeah. interview him. No, and that's what I'm saying. And they getting interviewed, and they're like, you know what? We're done. Yeah. And they distanced themselves from I don't want to be a part him. of this. So and at the end, all he had for was his himself. friends were the cops yeah. that were tailing him. So and, and, and that's where I'm saying the sad part yeah. of it. Like, he started befriending the cops. Yeah. And this is where the cops were like, well, let's see where this goes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he would walk out, he'd talk to him, and then one day he walked out and he goes, you guys know of a good uh, place to eat around here? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, there's a restaurant right up there. It's oh, okay. Drives up to the restaurant. They follow him. He walks in the restaurant, gets a table. They get a table, two tables over. He goes, well, if I'm going to eat here, why don't you join me? Yeah. And so he starts asking questions about the case, and they're like, look, we can't talk about that. He invited them to dinner Oh, no, that's house. what I'm getting at. That's what I'm getting to. <laughs> So then they're talking, and then one day he, they're sitting out in the driveway, and he's, you want to come and eat at my house? And they're like, yeah. Sure. Why not? Why not? And they go in and, and eat there. It's like, this is a guy, it's just, 
Yeah. You can't switch it off. No. And he even just was like, you know, doing that with the cops. Right. uh, So I wonder, again, back to the child trafficking thing, if he was some sort of foot guy to get these kids to them. Right. And the problem was, is he was just severely unstable. Right. Massively unstable. And, and it led to, to this, or, you know, if they were like, yeah, just get rid of these kids. Mm-hmm. You're never going to know this stuff. Right. Um, uh, and, and the, the reason I say this is because, and I'll tie it up with this basically, is nobody wants to deal with child trafficking. No. At all. Yeah. No one wants to deal with it. And I've had my rants before in the show, but the fact is, is even just recently, you have this Epstein thing that no one wanted to talk about. Right. You had Maxwell's trial who the only person there was a fucking character cartoon guy yeah, making drawings. But yet Amber Heard and Johnny Depp get full 24-hour yeah. coverage, cameras in the courtroom. I'm watching TikTok video after TikTok video of what's going on here. Right. So that nobody wants to talk about it, even right. people. Yeah. And that'll be a later discussion on right. yeah. everyday people who I just, they do things that I just don't understand. Right. It's like, it's right there. It's right in front of you. Mm-hmm. It's in front of you in so many ways, and you just don't do anything about it. Right. And it's insane to me. These are kids. Yes, true. And at the end Speaking of the day, of this kids. is what we want to wrap up with this show is the kids. All the kids are forgotten about this. Every single one the of them. The one victim's sister said they were here. Yeah. They lived, yeah. and that's what's been forgotten. So- this is how we're wrapping it up. I'm going to go through the names, their ages, and the date of their murder and where they were recovered from. Okay. Timothy Jack McCoy, age 16, January 3rd, 1972, murdered. Location recovered in crawl space. John uh, Bakovich, July 31st, 1975, date of murder. Garage, he was recovered. Yes. Daryl Julius Sampson, age 18, April 6th, 1976, murdered. Location recovered, dining room. Randall Wayne Raffet, May 14th, 1976, crawl space. Samuel G. Dodd Stapleton, 14. May 14th, yep. 1976, crawl space. Michael Lawrence Bonin, 17. June 3rd, 1976, crawl space. William Huey Carroll Jr., 16, June 13th, 1976, Crawl Space. James Byron Hackinson, age 16, August 5th, 1976, Crawl Space. Rick Lewis Johnston, age 17, August 6th, 1976, Crawl Space. Think about that for a moment. James Byron Hackinson, August 5th. The next day, Rick Lewis Johnston. Yeah. Kenneth Ray Parker, October 24th, 1976, age 16, crawl space. Michael M. Marino, age 14, October 24th, 1976, same day, crawl space. William George Bundy, age 19, two days later, October 26th, 1976, crawl space. Francis Wayne Alexander, 21, the oldest age out of all of them. 
December 1st, 1976, Crawl Space. Gregory John Godzik, age 17, December 12th, 1976, Crawl Space. John Allen, uh, I always butcher this name, Sizik, S-Z-Y-C. Sick. Sick. Uh, age 19, January 20th, 1977, Crawl Space. Well, he took a break for Christmas, you know. Mm-hmm. Unreal. And that's when he was with his family. At, and it was six car know. that Rossi was driving. And that was, yeah. So John Stephen Prestige, age 20, March 15th, 1977, Crawl Space. Matthew Walter Bowman, 19, July 5th, 1977, Crawl Space. Robert Edward Gilroy Jr., 18, September 15th, 1977, Crawl Space. John Anthony uh, Anthony Mowry, age 19, September 25th, 1977, Crawl Space. Russell Lloyd Nelson, age 21, October 17, 1977, Crawl Space. Robert David Winch, age 16, November 10th, 1977, Crawl Space. Tommy Joe Boiling, age 20, November 18th, 1977, Crawl Space. David Paul Talsma, age 19, December 9th, 1977, Crawl Space. William Wayne Kindred, age 19, February 16th, 1978, Crawl Space. Timothy David O'Rourke, they got a date murdered of June 16th to the 23rd. So he must have held him in captivity. 1978, this is when he starts putting him in the Plains River. Right. Because he's running out of room at the house. He said he ran out of room in the crawl space. Yeah. Ran out of room. Mm-hmm. And he did. I mean, that's just a ton of names I just listed off. Frank William Landigan. Uh, age 19, November 4th, 1978, uh, Des Plaines River. Yep. James Mazara, age 20, November 24th, 1978, Des Plaines River. Robert Jerome Peist, or is it Peist? Peist. Yeah, sorry folks. Robert Jerome Peist, age 15, yeah. December 11th, 1978, Des Plaines River. And here's the crazy part. There's five... Uh, Five more unidentified victims. Right. And, uh, you know, they just don't know. They got the dates on when they were murdered. Right. Uh, and that's from 1972 all the way to 77. And found in the crawl space for all five of them? Backyard. Uh, and for one. For one, and the rest are crawl space. The one in the backyard, uh, he built his barbecue pit. He built his barbecue pit. Over the top Over of the him. top of it. Yeah. And he would have these parties. Yeah. With politicians. Well, what's worse is all those people are partying on the on graves dead bodies. of those boys. All over the place. Yeah. yeah. No, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And I mean, like, it's 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 one thing to get into them and understand it, but, like, to see how terrible a person he really is. Yes. It's hard to ignore, and I know that's why he's a fascinating topic. It's a reason why we had him on here, because he's just interesting to talk about. But these, you know, there's there's blatant things here that no one wants to talk about. No. Because it goes down a road that people don't want to go down. Right. He had accomplices. There's no way he right. fucking yes. did this by himself. Yes. Because even that guy, Citizen X in Russia there, 
right, that they yes. make the movie on. I forget his name. He killed all them people. Chichik? Yeah, Chichik or something like that. Uh, he, he killed all those people. He killed like 80 people. Yeah. But he left them there in the woods. He didn't bury them. No, no. He just left them in the woods. They were openly found at some yeah, point. Yeah, they are openly yeah. found in fields or wherever yep. the hell he was able to walk them to. Right. You know, but you got to start thinking about this, folks. You get someone who's in their late teens. How heavy are they when they're dead? When you talk about dead weight yes. moving around. And you mean to tell me that this guy did all this by himself? Mm-hmm. No freaking way. While he's yeah. got people living at the house. Yeah. One kid's driving a dead kid's car. Mm-hmm. And this is where this is where the slippery slope starts. Because yeah. trust me, I'm on it now. Yeah. I'm on the slippery slope. I'm doing the math with all that. All right, if this person's an accomplice, then who do they know? Who are they, you know, yeah, into? Who, who are they, you know, associated who with? Who are they associated with? And then here's the thing. It gets down to this slippery slope of there was a couple of these young kids that were associated with Norman. Right. With the child trafficking ring. Yeah. So what do you say about that? Where do you go? That's right. my next step now. Right. Yeah. And I've said it before, but now I'm convinced I got the sleuthing skills. I've got the technical <laughs> ability. I've got the drive to not stop. Right. I'm going into this. I'm not stopping. So just to let you folks know, that's my next passion project. <laughs> and yeah. I'm hoping to see you in six months to a year from now with what I found. Right. I know a lot of you have stuck around for a year for us, and we, we're grateful. And we appreciate it. And we love yes. you. So I'm hoping you stay for a year more, six months to a year more. Because I got a feeling if I just dig this up in a week, yes. what the hell am I going to dig up when I give six months to a year's dedication to it? Correct. Because I'm tired of it, folks. I am absolutely tired of child trafficking just being pushed into the background. Like it I've doesn't had exist. It. And I'm yeah. following our rule. <laughs> I'm following our rule. I just, I have to get involved. Yes. I have to get into this because it just, it drives me insane. Yeah. Absolutely insane that people are just okay with this. And it's so okay on a level, like I said, I'm not going to get into it with this episode, but people are literally looking at things with their eyes and they're so desensitized. I don't know if it's desensitized or just don't want to admit it's happening. Just don't want to. I think it's all the above. I was going to say that. You I, know. I think at the end of the day, it's yeah, all of that. But it's just, it's crazy. And yes. the Epstein thing started it for me in a real big way where I was just like, we need to be more upset about this. We do. We need to be asking way more we questions do. about this. And we also need to ask ourselves why we had... Epstein here in the States and there's Jeremy Nygaard in Canada, in Canada doing the exact same thing. And here's the thing. You go around and ask people, who's Jeremy Nygaard? I don't know. Is this somebody I had Nygaard. lunch? Or yeah. Peter Nygaard? You know, who? I don't know. Is He's this a some- fashion designer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, so he, just- his, his whole ploy to traffic the girls is, oh, you can be a model. Yeah. Well, that's how a lot of it starts. Yep. That's how most of it starts. Yeah. And, and it just, yeah, I, the Epstein case just, it pissed me off. Yes. You can, you can ask Jen. It just. How come we're not hearing about Peter Nygaard's case? 
Well, I'm still at Epstein. Yeah. <laughs> like, why are we not talking about Epstein? We didn't Epstein? hear about Epstein. We're not hearing and about Max, Nygaard. Maxwell's sitting there. This is the one who has the client list. Yeah. This is the one who She's has the, the dirt on the everything. Keeper of the goods. She was the one yeah. doing the recruiting and yeah. all that. And you've got all these, these people that came out of the woodwork and we're like, yeah, this is how she got me. Mm-hmm. This is how she lured me in. Yeah. This is how, this is how they gave the plan. They showed how it works. And they had one person drawing there. There's no fucking cameras. <laughs> no. There's no nothing. No. No one wants to talk about it. Are the transcripts out? Uh, that's why I'm getting into this. It's like, I, I just, I need to know. Right. And I, I get scared for myself with this because, like, when I need to know something, I need to know it. I know. So I'm going to grab everything. Right. And I'm going to get anything I can get my hands on. I want to establish contacts. Contacts Guys, and send us red string and push pins because <laughs> we're going to need it for for the room, for the bulletin board, for the bulletin <laughs> for board, for the room. <laughs> no. So at first, what I'm asking here, I'm starting right here on the show. If you know someone who's into this and has a lot of information and they're overwhelmed and they need help, or you just have some information to help me get started, please yeah. email me at OTH at seriously or, you know, even if you want to convey in a different mechanism other than email, because I'm I'm an ex-cybersecurity guy. I know how to do secure email transmissions. Right. I know how to do secure file transmissions. I know how to do all that stuff. Um, if you just want to say, I'd like to talk to you more about this, we can get some sort of dialogue going. Right, yes. But I'm getting into this because it just fucking drives me crazy because somebody's got to do it frank well no it just drives me nuts yeah. it's, it, it, and and just the the ability of people to just sit there and just say oh well, oh, well. and just it's take like, it these yeah. are kids yeah and now i watch people lose their minds over getting shot in a, a school and right. it's like okay all right i'm glad you're motivated i'm glad you're really into you're this upset because you should and, be and you're upset because you should be i i might disagree with how you're getting upset right and how you're but but can we talk about but this other? can we talk about this huge fucking elephant in the room herd of elephants in yeah. the room that yeah. you don't want to get upset about you don't want to march about you don't want to do anything really and there's a lot more numbers than way worse yeah way worse and they're not even using guns no that's the thing no they're just Using their words and their fancy words and <laughs> no, oh, no, yeah, not the fancy words. And I'm just being honest. That's what pushed me over the edge. I got upset with the Epstein case. I got upset with Maxwell. Yes, I got really upset with Heard and Depp. Yeah, because apparently we can just publicize the living crap out of that. And then the school shootings is what put me over the edge. Because yes. it's like, okay, I get that you're outraged, emotional, and outraged, and and good. Yeah. I'm glad. Uh, I, I don't really. Can we keep that outrage going? No, it's not even that. Why aren't you outraged about this? Yeah. Why it's are you okay with that? It's just my simple question. Why are you, why are you so conditioned to not care about that? Yeah. To that level. Yeah. I'm not saying you don't care. Mm-hmm. Let's get that right out of the way. Right. What I'm saying is, is your level of care, your level of give a shit right. is fucking out of whack. Yes. Way out of whack. Yes. And your give a damn's busted. Yeah, and I'm done with that. Okay. That's uh Do we want to talk about what's coming up? John next Wayne week? Gacy sucks. That's our conclusion. Um oh. but no, I'm thankful that we did this because Yes. I have a 
I have a new mission, so to speak. Frankie's fire's lit, guys. Oh, yeah. And those of you who know, once my fire's lit, get out of my fucking Are way. Are you burning an <laughs> eternal flame? <laughs> so uh, what do we got for the uh, next episode in June here? It's Cult of the Month. The Manson Family. They're creepy and they're kooky. No, that's the Adams family. I know, I know. Yeah. They're crazy and they're spooky. We had to do the all-stars. We plan them right in the middle of the year. Right? The Manson cult is just the all-stars of cults. Oh, man. Yeah, they're literally the rock and rollers of cults, you know. Well, yeah. 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 You start hearing the stories of Manson in the <laughs> in the musician circle. Yeah. And it's crazy because like It's crazy, man. You'll hear all these great names, these massive people, which we'll get into that oh, yeah, at the we next will. episode. But like you hear these and they're like, Yeah, no, Manson used to hang out in my living room and I'm just like, Holy shit, man. This guy was fucking everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Guys, maybe don't make friends with the crazy eyes person. And I'm sorry, but you know crazy eyes when you see crazy eyes. It's usually the first thing I look at. I know yeah. everybody says, like, the eyes are the windows to the soul. And there's a reason that when statement exists. eyes are exists. crazy, man. I have a thing, <laughs> and I, I remember somebody telling me it, but they... But I have a problem where I see people and like I can see the whites of their eyes all the way around their the colored part of their eyes, like when they have their eyes open. Because mm-hmm. most people, this is just casual observation of mine. Maybe there's some clinical explanation for it. But like as I look at you, your eyes are covered a little bit by your top eyelid. So are yours. You're covered. Most are. Yeah. What I find uniquely coincidental okay is that the fucking crazy ones when they're just you can see the whole you can see the whole you can see the white all All the way way around around. their eyes even when they're just normally talking to you yeah they may be a little excited but they're just yeah you know and then this and that and that and if i see that dead eyes is another one dead eyes totally different but it's totally same, different, but, same, but you know it when you see it. Same feeling on the insides, yeah. you know. But my insides get all weird when I see yeah. white all the way around. That's a trigger for me. Yeah, that's and we're bouncing. That's a we're sign. out. <laughs> yeah, it's like all right, I'm gonna keep a distance yep. away. I'm gonna act like I'm paying attention to your story, but I'm thinking of all my I exits. I will be and, polite. Yeah, and friendly so as not to trigger. Yeah. I'm always friendly with crazy. Yes. I always laugh when people pick on crazy because it's like when they come into the room yeah. and they want to clear it out, I'd like to think I'm going to be that guy where they're like, go ahead, Frank. Yeah. Go you're ahead. good. You were nice to me. Or, you know what? <laughs> Why don't you go outside yeah. for a little bit? Yeah. Just, yeah. just. Yep. Frank, get out of here. Yeah. Don't come back. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's why I'm nice to crazy. Sames. Overly nice. Samesies. Yeah. I'll, I'll treat I'll treat crazy like my best friend. Yeah. Yep. 
mm-hmm. my best friend that I never go out and do anything with. I never. My talk best to. friend that I yep. I won't you know nope. like. Yep. Mm-hmm. But but when I'm around you, we're besties till BFFs. the end. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rule number one: No Ouija boards. Two. No dolls. Three. No capes. Four. No blood rituals. Number five. No cults, satanic or otherwise. Six. No apathy. You need to act to help enact change in the world. And if you have a specific set of skills, put those skills to good use. Mm -hmm. Seven. Don't let the black-eyed children in. Don't do it. No. Eight. Just listen. Yeah. Seriously. Folks, Just. thanks for uh, hanging with us on this one. We are actually glad that it's uh, at this point in time, because I honestly thought we were almost going to pluck two, and I was going to have to go part one, part two, part and, two. and split it. But if you're, <laughs> if you're still with us and you made it, thanks a lot. We love you. To the new folks, thanks for coming. We love you a lot. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to the party. Yeah. Uh, but basically, uh, the rule of the show is if you know somebody, let them know. Know somebody. Tell somebody. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's how we've gotten all of you. Exactly. Or you just happen to stumble upon us, which... Would you like to make us a worldwide gotta, sensation so that we I can th- buy Kat Von D's house? <laughs> I got to thank, uh, thank Algorithms for the ones who casually... Uh, found us but yes so yeah next week we'll talk to you uh about the manson family and dean's chasing the cat out of the studio because he's the creative director hr is out there not allowed yeah so have a lovely day a wonderful week and make good choices (laughs) take care